Hello, this is uh, Aaron Sims. Welcome again to my podcast. Uh, this time I'm going to do something a little different and talk about something um, not so directly related to uh, the church or theology. I'm going to talk about um, Prometheus and Alien Covenant, uh, the, the movies uh, by Ridley Scott. So um, I, uh, I wrote a blog post about this a while back, but I enjoy talking about these movies, <laughs> so I thought I would do so here. And uh, I know a lot of people hate these movies. My wife um, thinks they're, they're both pretty stupid. Most of my friends think they're, they're stupid as well. But I actually find Prometheus and Alien Covenant to be pretty fascinating uh, for a few different reasons that I'll talk about here. Um, and uh, I will say, too, I, I like the Alien movie. I like Aliens, um, although they're really two quite different movies. Alien is more, um, almost more of a thriller, I think, and suspenseful, whereas Aliens is what um, my wife and I call uh, blowed up. You know, if you, if you feel like stuff, watching something being blowed up, you watch Aliens. If you feel like, um, you know, a more thinking sort of movie than Alien is uh, is the right one for you. And then um, I think Prometheus and Alien Covenant kind of fall in that sort of alien um, mold, if you will, which makes sense because Ridley Scott did all three of them. And... Um, the I think to so I'm going to talk about Prometheus and Covenant in particular here, and and really, I think those those two movies in the timeline of the Alien universe, if you will, they um, they come before Alien, and eventually I think the the story arc is supposed to lead such that um, whatever the last movie in the series of the of the Prometheus and Covenant series, um, that last movie should lead into the original Alien movie. And you start to get a sense of that after you watch um, Alien Covenant, that it seems to be leading that way. Um, so anyway, I, the, the two movies, I think, taken together make more sense. And in particular, I think if you watch Alien Covenant and then go back and watch Prometheus and then do that a few times, it starts to make more sense um, together. And um, it talks... Really, it touches on topics related to um, creator and creation, eugenics, what it means to be human. And I think with age, the movies might fare a little better as as people start thinking about these things in, in the context of the movies. Um, so I'm going to warn you here that there's spoilers ahead. So if you haven't seen the movies, uh, stop now and go watch them and then come back. Um, so anyway... I, I mentioned Prometheus and Covenant are the first two movies in a planned series of movies. Um, Ridley Scott's talking about doing three or four, or maybe even more. Or he's um, he's getting up there in age, but he seems to want to do a lot of these. And they all precede the movie Alien um, within the Alien universe, so to speak. And so, at some point, again, these should lead us to the to the conditions which set up the, the beginning of the movie Alien. And both Prometheus and Covenant deal with origins, and uh, speci- specifically where humans come from and who their creator is. And now, um, uh, I'm, I'm talking about these movies not so much in a Christian context, although they do bring out ideas. Um, but obviously, in the Aliens movie, it's focused on aliens. It's not focused on theology. But I think there's there's interesting things to drive out of these movies or to observe. Um and so, that said, within the alien universe, the answer um, that these movies present to where humans come from is that some advanced alien race um, 
that are later called the engineers, they created humans. And so in the movie Prometheus, the crew of the ship named Prometheus, they set out um, with Peter Wayland, who's the wealthy founder of the corporation Wayland yutani whose motto is building better worlds. They go out in order to find their creators on some distant planet's moon. Um, and the moon is called LV-223. And uh, go look up Leviticus twenty-two, uh, Leviticus chapter 22, verse 3, and ponder it in the context of this movie um, when the crew enter into the inner chamber of the engineer's structure. Um, because that LV-223 is a biblical reference in the movie. And so anyway, they, they set out on the ship and Wayland seeking eternal life from the engineers. Um, and what they find instead uh, on this moon is a former engineer outpost, which seems to have been decimated by some bizarre organism, which is capable of taking over its host to continue its life cycle. So like a parasite um, sort of thing. And most of the crew of the Prometheus are destroyed by the effects of this organism um, but one of the women, Elizabeth Shaw, um, gives birth to, to a human-alien hybrid. And the end of the Prometheus sees her and David, who David's the synthetic or the android, uh, leaving this moon and the engineer ship for some unknown destination. So uh, that's Prometheus. And then Covenant picks up ten years later as the crew of another ship called the Covenant heads to a distant planet to settle there as kind of space-age frontiersmen. Uh, but on the way, they encounter ship damage, and then shortly thereafter, while they're doing repairs, they receive a garbled radio message, which appears to be a woman singing uh, the John Denver song, Take Me Home, Country Roads. And they um, they trace this transmission to a nearby solar system with a moon that appears to be um, look pretty good to, to habitate or live on. And so they set course for this moon, and they send down a landing party to investigate the transmission and find its source. And pretty soon they find some artifacts um, belonging to Elizabeth Shaw. Uh, but while they're down there, two of the crew become infested, uh, infected with an organism which uses their bodies to, as a host to morph into a more dangerous creature. And the entire party is attacked by these aliens and their landing craft gets destroyed. But before they're all killed, they're saved, so to speak, by um, none other than David, who's the synthetic from Prometheus. And he takes him back to his home, uh, which is this huge uh, castle-like structure, which he says is perfectly safe. And uh, But it becomes apparent soon, though, that he wants to use the landing party, as well as the 2,000 settlers and 1,500 embryos in the hibernation um, um, mode on their mothership as host for the organisms he's created. Um, because while he's been on this, uh, this planet, he's been genetically engineering his own creations, and he needs humans as hosts to continue his work. And so Covenant ends then with David in control of the mothership and its hibernating population, and they're heading for an unknown world. And we wait anxiously, in my case, for the next movie to see what happens. <laughs> but um, So that's kind of the synopsis of the movies, and I want to talk about some of the themes of the two movie movies. First, um, I'll say that I think it's helpful to view David as the central character in both movies. And this really isn't something that... Um, is apparent in the first movie um, because I think when you first watch Prometheus, you tend to discount David or, you know, oh, he's just the synthetic and you don't realize that he's actually the central character, but that comes out more once you watch Alien Covenant. And in a flashback scene in Covenant towards the beginning, it's shown that David is is 
a creation or the creation of Peter Whalen, and Peter calls him his son. And David takes his name from Michelangelo's statue, which Peter has in his home. And one of the interesting things to me that I just caught recently is that Peter asked David what his name is. And um, David looks around, and he walks up to the statue of David, and he says, David. And what's significant here is that normally when you name something, you um, it's a sign of your kind of control or ownership of it, if you will, um, or um, responsibility for it, if you want to think about it that way. And so that's why we name our kids. Um, we name our pets. Some people name their cars. I don't, but... Uh, um, it's expressing some sort of control over over the thing you're naming. So when you see David taking his name as David, he's actually naming himself, and that kind of sets up things that, that follow. You know, it's David in control, uh, not Peter. And uh, in fact, Peter's a human. He's got human frailties and weaknesses, um, and David is not necessarily bound by these human limitations, even though he's made to be human-like. Um, and in fact, David is very efficient. He's able to learn a lot of information. And unlike his creator, which he points out to Peter, David will never die. David also, in a sense, was made in the image of his creator um, because he's, he's Im- imbued with this desire to create things. Um, and then he develops eventually a dislike for his creator or... Um, um, kind of looking down on on Peter, and he says that he pitied Peter at the end. And so in Prometheus, we see David starting to take steps to begin his own creations. He takes some of the alien slime uh, and puts it in Dr. Holloway's drink. Um, That's, you kind of really have to watch that, um, that scene closely in Prometheus where he does this, but he's got He's got the alien black goo or slime on the tip of his finger, and he, he dips it in Dr. Holloway's drink to um, to get the alien virus in him um, because he is anticipating that Dr. Holloway will have intercourse with Elizabeth Shaw and he'll impregnate her, and then through that, um, he'll be able to create an alien-human hybrid. Um, and then on in the covenant on this moon where he's living, he's apparently continued his work. So he's killed off the native engineers and, and Elizabeth Shaw in order to create uh, new alien hybrids. And so he's, you know, happy when this crew of the covenant arrives on the moon because he now has more human hosts to continue his, his work of creating these hybrids. And there's a few elements throughout both movies, which help tie this creative theme together. Uh, one of them is this creator uh, creation tension. So the, the engineers created humans who ultimately, through David, destroy them. Uh, Peter Whalen created David who seeks to destroy humans. And so there's a tension then between the creator and his or their creations who rebel against him or them. You kind of see the biblical connection here um, in Genesis with the rebellion of Adam and Eve. And David, in particular, views himself as superior to his creator and he therefore seeks to create new species who will be superior. Um, and he's also in love, in love with himself, and you see this by the strange scenes he has with Walter, the other synthetic, who looks exactly like David uh, in Covenant. Um, and one other interesting thing that I've just noticed with Ridley Scott is a lot of his movies seem to have this element of the creator-creation tension or father-son tension. Um, you see that, in, uh, for, for example, in... Um, um, the Gladiator, uh, with Marcus Aurelius and Commodus. 
So um, another sort of uh, theme here is Lawrence of Arabia, which I think is interesting. In Prometheus, David's watching the movie Lawrence of Arabia, and you see him in one scene actually dyeing his hair uh, blonde to mimic. It, he dyes his hair blonde, and then he mimics uh, Colonel T. Lawrence's accent, or Peter O'Toole's in the movie, and he often quotes from Lawrence. The trick, William Pata, is not minding that it hurts. So... Um, I think this is significant because Lawrence was seen as something of an oddity in his own times, and he never quite fit into British society, nor with his adopted uh, Arab brethren with whom he fought in World War I. And so David's kind of like Lawrence. Um, he doesn't quite fit into the, into the company around him, and he's viewed with suspicion by others. Then you have um, one of the fascinating aspects of these movies to me, uh, Richard Wagner, the Nazis, and eugenics. And so Richard Wagner was a, um, a 19th century uh, composer, and his music was co-opted by Hitler and the Nazis in the 1930s as a kind of an anthem of sorts for Germanic superiority, if you will, um, because Wa uh, Wagner touched on a lot of uh, Germanic mythical concepts. And his um, one of his compositions entrance of the gods into Valhalla uh, is played softly by piano I, I I think in one of the opening scenes in Prometheus it sounds like it's playing but more significantly significantly David plays um, entrance of the gods into Valhalla in the flashback scene with Peter Whalen in Alien Covenant at the beginning so Kind of towards the beginning of the movie, you have this this song, and then at the end of the end of the movie, at the end of Alien Covenant, as David enters into the storage hall of the ship, in which are located the hibernating settlers and embryos, he asks Mother, the ship's computer, to play the song as well. And so the song plays as David places an alien em embryo into a storage tray, and this is kind of fitting in the context of the song because Valhalla was the hall of heroes in North mythology, ruled over by Odin. And uh, David seems to view himself as the god, if you will, over a new superior creation. And um, so that so David's actions are tied with Wagner, who is tied with the Nazis. And the Nazis experimented with eugenics, which was this desire to build a uh, quote-unquote superior race of people through breeding and sterilization programs and limiting the weak. Um, interestingly enough, G.K. Chesterton, um, the uh, the kind of lay theologian um, who later joined the Roman Catholic Church, he wrote um, he wrote a chapter in one of his books called Eugenics and Other Evils because um, he was massively against eugenics as going against God's will um, and God's love of humanity. Because uh, what eugenics, yeah, excuse me, what eugenics does is it views humans as valuable only in light of their apparent utility. Um, and so eugenics sought to um, get rid of people who who weren't viewed as um, useful, if you will. Um, you see that in particular with the Nazis. It's also an idea which uh, Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned, Planned Parenthood, also supported. That's why she founded Planned Parenthood, to keep people who she considered inferior from having kids. So... Um, this concept of creating a superior species is what David's trying to do in these movies. He views humans as weak and of little utility, except as biological hosts for his creations. 
And he spent his 10 years in isolation trying to improve on the creatures he's bred. Um, and he plans to use the hibernating settlers and embryos of the ship Covenant to keep going with his work. Um, and notice in the movie, once he meets this landing crew, he cuts and styles his hair to match Walter's, the other synthetic, so that later he can take Walter's place on the ship without the crew being aware of it. And uh, we kind of expect the next movie in this series to pick up on this theme um, and uh, using uh, Wagner's Entrance of the Gods into Valhalla helps to bring out the eugenics theme in, in Alien Covenant. And uh, one of the other interesting things in these movies is this uh, drinking bird. So it's a little visual element that ties certain scenes together, and it's the placement of a drinking bird on tables. And um, if you don't know what a drinking bird is, it's, it's, um, it's like a little glass and glass bird, and it's... Um, kind of set uh, by a glass of water and the action of it dipping its head in the water and will cause it to um, come out of the water and then water evaporates and then it dips its head in and it keeps going back and forth. Um, you've probably seen it without knowing it, but it's in these movies. So in Prometheus, David has a drinking bird with him on the ship. And then towards the end of, of Covenant, when the audience is wondering if the, if the synthetic on the ship is the friendly Walter or the evil David, there's an important clue provided by the placement of a drinking bird in the foreground as the camera pans to the synthetic, who turns out to be David. So you see Prometheus, David with the drinking bird, and then Alien Covenant, the drinking bird, helps give you a clue that the synthetic is actually David and not Walter. Um, in the movie Alien that I mentioned earlier, there's also a drinking bird present in some of those scenes. And it's also in this uh, video game called Alien Isolation. Um, and Alien Isolation takes place after the events in the movie Alien, but before the events in the movie Aliens. And so this drinking bird helps tie certain things together, uh, certain scenes and, and some of the themes. This is kind of like a visual reference. And then um, really the, one, of the, one of the other things to think about, maybe the last thing here is... Um, you know, what does it mean to be human? And this theme, I think, is one of the great themes of science fiction. And also the reason why many works in this genre have androids, or um, in the case of the Alien franchise, synthetics. And if you think about it, this role of a synthetic or an android is also a role filled by Sheldon Cooper in The Big Bang Theory, uh, or, by, um, or by Spock in Star Trek. Because androids, or those who are apparently not quite human, and they, they, they serve as foils for the exploration of what exactly makes a person human. Um, so in Prometheus and Covenant, David is continually reminded that he's not human and can't have emotions. And yet, what you see in the movie is he apparently does have emotions, along with a drive to create and advance his own agenda. He, look, he also looks like a human. He, he carries out human activities. He even seems to love Elizabeth Shaw, at least to, to the extent that he views her as a mother of his hybrids. He also loves himself, um, as evidenced by his kiss of Walter, who looks like David and is also a synthetic. And um, so the, kind of the question that this begs then is if humans are able to create an intelligent entity who looks, acts, and behaves like a human... What then makes humans distinct? What's the essence of humanity? Um, and I think this is a question, actually, that will 
probably confront and ponder more often as artificial intelligence and machine learning expands in our own world, along with androids of our own creation. You're starting to see androids starting to look and act more and more human. And this is the question explored in these movies. And David answers the question negative, negatively. He, he was created in the image of his creator, yes, but his creator is not worthy of his creation and therefore must be destroyed so that his creation can rule. And as Christians, we would disagree with David and answer the question by saying that humans were created in the image of God. God is perfect and eternal, and we are not worthy of him. Since And we have fallen from the image in which he originally created us. <coughs> and we've fallen due to the sin of Adam and Eve. And yet, we're being restored to the image through Christ, and we'll be fully restored at the resurrection. And so we are not like David. We are not above our Creator. Um, if, but we are created in the image of our, our Creator to be with him in eternity. And I think as the world we live in continues to kind of let loose or go loose from its Christian moorings, I would expect that people will increasingly struggle with this question of what makes humans distinct. Because without God, without knowing that we're made in the image of our Creator, um, it will be hard for people to know how we're different from the androids that we make, from the things we make, from the artificial intelligence we make. You even see it starting uh, already with... Um, people struggling to understand how humanity is different than animals. And I think this is going to continue. And so the church has to be there to keep providing the answer that God created us to be with him in eternity. That's who we are as people. We are made in the image of God. We're fallen from that image, but through Christ we are being restored to that image. Um, and God is restoring us and reconciling us to him. That's what it means to be human. So... Um, anyway, this episode was a little bit different. Uh, again, like I said, I like these movies. You can laugh if you want, but I think they're kind of fascinating, Prometheus and Alien Covenant, and I look forward to what comes next in the series. So anyway, thanks for listening.